0: In the meantime, our study continues on the topic of brave conversations. We'll be focusing on mental illness today as we look deeper into 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let's dig in. As we come to the topic of mental illness, one of the things that we have agreed to understand is that it is a more pervasive problem than many of us, fully recognized. The, um, the stats tell us that there are a couple of different ways in which you can experience a length of mental illness. For some people, the length of mental illness is temporary. It's something that comes and goes or comes and goes and never comes back, which is kind of the hope. But many people suffer from chronic mental illness. Now, statistically, one in five will experience a temporary mental illness or mental health situation any given year one in five 20 percent of us that is why it is so crazy to me that this is one of the things that the church oftentimes just doesn't talk about at all it's so surprising because so many people wrestle with this and face this and and the church should have open dialogues about these things and so that's why we're doing this week fascinatingly more than half of us will be diagnosed with a mental health problem at some point during our lifetime. So this is something that affects more of us than not. And so it's something that we should be discussing. 50% of those who are diagnosed with a chronic mental illness, something that is lifetime, something that is recurring, something that is going to be a part of the life for the entirety of its span, Most of those, more than half, are diagnosed before the age of 14, and 75% of those are diagnosed before the age of 24, which means that our kids, our grandkids, these are things that they are facing every day, and if they're not facing it personally, Kids who they are in connection, contact with, relationships with, school classes with, are facing them as well. And so opening up that channel of dialogue and discussion is going to help give them the ability to face the things that they will face in themselves and in their relationships, not just wisely and compassionately, but also also with some measure of biblical truth. Today whenever we jump into the passage we're going to jump into 1 Samuel chapter 16. And what we're going to see is the classic story that many of us who have grown up in church know and if you don't know this story then then that's okay. Don't feel don't feel like an outsider. It's it's real easy to jump into. But what I want to do, though, is I want to look at this story through a different lens. And so we'll jump into the story, actually the beginning of the story, of the relationship between David, a young boy. You may remember him. He was famous for those five smooth stones, for killing a giant Goliath. who's famous for being a shepherd boy. Well, we're going to jump into the story whenever David first meets Saul, who is his predecessor in kingship. David eventually becomes king. Well, Saul's the guy who was king whenever all of these things with Goliath and uh, being a shepherd boy happened to David. So here we go, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, and we'll do all of the reading here together today. It's relatively simple. Now, the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. And so, Right now, our our radar should be going off because the Bible itself has used this word depression and fear could be a word that certainly means stress or, or anxiety or something that is not just situational, though it could have been, but also could mean something that is chemical, that is physical in nature. So we already have now in Saul a word that should be triggering us into some sort of a mental health situation. But before we get to that conversation I want I want to focus on this because this is this is something that I've wrestled with a lot in scripture and and right here is a great place to talk about it now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent Saul a tormenting spirit. Some of your translations in fact the King James that I grew up reading says they're an evil spirit and I'm just scratching my head an evil spirit God sent an evil spirit um. Okay, first of all, the thing that we need to pay attention to here is that uh, not everybody had access to the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. So this is pre-Jesus, and so during this time, there are very few people who are said to have been indwelt by God's Spirit. Now, after Pentecost, after Acts chapter 2, after uh, Christ, everybody who comes To faith and to belief in God is said to now be permanently indwelt by God by his spirit so all of us right who are followers have that spirit of God Old Testament not so much mostly kings mostly prophets very few people so Saul, it seems, had had the spirit of the Lord, but it has left Saul. The spirit of God has left Saul. And the Lord sent, sent a tormenting spirit that filled him. There are a few different ways to take this. Um, it can be that God literally did send an evil spirit in order to torment Saul. Um That is an acceptable reading of this passage. I personally have difficulty with that because it doesn't reconcile fully with the God whom I know in Scripture. And so uh, I personally would be apt to take a different interpretation than God just essentially removes his spirit and sends an evil spirit or a demon to Saul. So... Fortunately, there are other ways to faithfully render this in the text and understand it. And uh, one of those ways is to recognize that evil or tormenting is only one valid translation of this. The term can also mean an injurious spirit or a bad spirit. It could also denote a a gloomy spirit, which uh, would reconcile that idea when it says that Saul suffered with uh, depression and with fear. But I think probably the best one, the best explanation, because whenever we see these words and these terms used in other places in Scripture, this definition here is the most common or the most normative understanding that we can pull out of this passage is that it's a spirit which brings forth disaster and so uh, i think what i would read into this is what comes into saul is a spirit of self-harm or a spirit of chaos or a spirit that brings forth disaster did god send it the text clearly says that god sends this spirit to him the difficulty with that is, is they didn't necessarily have the language in those days to explain mental health issues or where they came from, that it could have been chemical in nature, that it could have been genetic in nature, that it could have been situational in nature, or of course that God could send it. It would be like somebody in ancient times trying to describe a jet engine or an airplane. They, they don't have the words to describe what this thing that they're looking at and trying to translate is. And so oftentimes in scripture, what I think we see here is that this is the language that they use, it's the only language that they had. This came from somewhere, we don't understand where it came from, so it comes from God. Did God send it? Was it a part of Saul's makeup that Saul allowed to basically rise up inside of him, or that came up just because it was a mental health thing that was buried there? We frankly just don't have enough information to know. What we do know is, is that where it came from or why it was there is not necessarily as important to the discussion as the fact that it's there and how is it handled. So let's jump back in. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let's find a good musician to play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. This is therapy, counseling, psychology. Uh, The best medical diagnosis and the best medical prescription that they could write for this was music. They didn't have a pill to give. They didn't even have words to fully understand exactly what Saul is going through here. And so the prescription is music. It's fascinating to me that in other tribes and in other nations of that time, the harp would have been called in under the same situation, but it would have essentially been an exorcism. The harp isn't called in here to perform an exorcism. The harp is called in here in order to be a prescription for calmness in the face of this disastrous spirit that Saul is enduring under now. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. So one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harpist. Not only that, he's a brave warrior. He's a man of war. He has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him, which we now know that the Lord is, is no longer with Saul. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son, David, the shepherd. Jesse responds by sending David along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread and a wineskin full of wine. Um, Favor with the king is always a good thing, especially whenever your son has been asked for an audience with a crazy man and you have not been told why. So David went to Saul and he began serving him. Saul loved David very much and David became his armor bearer. This relationship with Saul and David will not last. Saul will become very jealous of David, so much to the point of Saul becoming fixated on the death, the ending of David's life. But at this point, Saul and David have an incredibly close relationship. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, Please let David remain in my service. I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. And so there is this pendulum swing back and forth in Saul's life during during these days, during these weeks, during these months where David's playing helps to an extent but doesn't take away whatever is going on with Saul. So what is going on with Saul? Uh, Many people much smarter than I and much more educated than I in psychology and therapy have looked into this. And uh, there is a very clear thing that's going on here with Saul. Saul clearly has a mental illness. Uh, this is one of the best texts in scripture that describes Saul's mental illness. And as we roll on through Saul's life, we, we see more and more data being given about what's going on with Saul. We see this episode here, which likely lasted a few months, and then we see that that Injurious or disastrous spirit is gone from Saul for a period of time, but then comes back again a second time in a much worse way than it was there the first time. But I think that what we can clearly say is though they did not have the words to describe exactly what was going on psychologically with Saul, Saul clearly has a mental illness, and those around him understood that something mentally was going on and did the best that they could in prescribing whatever was the top medical, psychological, therapeutic answers to help in the situation in which Saul found himself. Best guess as to what Saul had is bipolar one disorder. Um, He could have had several things or a singular, a singular thing from several different choices. Uh, but all of them seem to kind of fall under the umbrella of a bipolar one disorder. And in fact, bipolar one disorder kind of best fits what we see of salt in the text. What is that? Well, bipolar one disorder is characterized by one or more manic or mixed episodes. Often individuals, have one or more or have had one or more major depressive episodes and so we see in Saul this this bipolar situation where it comes and where it goes where he's on one end of the pendulum at one moment and then the extreme other end of the pendulum at the other moment that it Affects other areas of his life. That it also has come in tandem with depression and with fear, with levels of anxiety. It also fits bipolar one disorder, and that it can remain for a few months and then be gone, but then can return back uh, doubly or triply so later in the future. So what are we what are we to make of all of this? Well, I think that the first thing that we need to make of all of this is that. Uh, Suffering under a mental illness or a mental health situation, uh, and I want to be very clear on this because the passage kind of seems to indicate the opposite, is is not the judgment of God. Uh, I think what we can say maybe at most is going on here is that Saul is either dealing with this outside of any situation in which he could have prevented or that this is something that has borne up within him because of the situations or the things that he's done, the ways that he has acted. But even in Saul's family, we see we see perhaps a propensity for these situations in which he finds himself. And so I just kind of want to clearly say that mental illness, oftentimes depression, fear, anxiety, when these things come, uh, they come not because of anything that you've done. They, they come because of the way that you have wired. Why do so many people face these things? 20% of the population within any given year is going to experience some sort of a mental health crisis, and more than half of us are going to experience a mental health crisis at some point in our lifetimes. Uh, many or most of those are things that are unavoidable to you. And I also want to say that... Uh, I just full out disagree with the idea that God sent this to Saul. Uh, Is that an acceptable rendering of the language? and, And if that's what happened here, do we have to reconcile that theologically? Yes, it is. And yes, I think there are ways to reconcile that theologically. But on my best understanding of the translation of the passages, this is not something that Saul, that God sent to Saul, intentionally in order to sideline him or in order to teach him a lesson or to punish him. From what I see, this is something that is genetic or this is something that is inherent to Saul because it continues to return over and over again. And we see hints and indications of this even earlier in Saul's life. Even the first time we're introduced to Saul and how he's running away, Uh, there are hints that there is perhaps mental illness somewhere in the situation here. So, what are we, what are we to do with all of that? Well, we said this yesterday, and we're going to continue to come back to this is that in the community of God, your sorrow is my sorrow, my sorrow is yours, and our pain is shared. And this, I think, is the important reason why this was inserted into the story that they wanted to make sure that we knew this because what we see here is really a commentary on not Saul, and on his mental illness. That's not that's not what's in view here. In fact, this comes right after the anointing of David. What we see here, what's in view here, is actually David and David's character and how David responds to this. David's still a shepherd boy. In fact, the reason why in our text, Saul sends a message to Jesse saying, could you please let David be here full-time? Could you please let David come in and be a part of helping me walk through this mental issue that I am struggling with full time? It's because David was going back and forth. David was coming and helping out the king, and then he was going back to be a shepherd boy. David wasn't concerned with what he could gain out of this from Saul. He wasn't trying to usurp the king or his kingdom. He was simply being there, giving what he could in the moment to help somebody else. He was a harpist, and so he's giving there in the moment using his gifts for Saul. And it becomes a very dangerous situation for David as Saul later on gets out of control and allows the mental health situation to, to overtake him, or it simply overtakes him without <laughs> without his allowing or not. Either way, what we see is that it becomes a very a uh, volatile situation for David, and yet David still remains as much as he can in order to be helpful. For no other reason than this. In the community of God, your sorrow is my sorrow, my sorrow is yours, and our pain is shared. We cannot abandon those who are facing mental health crises. We cannot assign them away and say, "Not my problem." We can't look at it and say. You are broken. We can't look at those things and say, you have sinned, you've done something wrong. We can't look at those things and say, you deserve this. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus, helping those who are struggling with their sorrows, taking it on ourselves, sharing their pain. There is no better solution to showing the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ within us, than sitting with those who are hurting, with helping those who are wounded, with walking alongside and in carrying those who cannot carry themselves. Mental health is an enormous need in the world, in our nation, and in the church, and we must face it and we must be involved with it and we must not turn our backs lest somebody turn their backs on us whenever we are in need of mental health assistance this bible study on brave conversations is brought to you by christ table if you'd like to join us in the study there's an easy to follow guide in the show notes and we'd love to have you join us You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ's Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission, it's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to Christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on mental illness and if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well. www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.